Blog Talk Radio. at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and I want to welcome the callers and chatters to research at the National Archives and Beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. If you have logged in as a guest and you wish to participate in the chat, please sign in through your Facebook account or Blog Talk Radio. Well, tonight's show is about the Todds telling our story from Virginia to Kentucky. And I am so happy that our guest tonight is Phyllis Grimes. Phyllis is a graduate of Arizona State University, where she graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Justice Studies. She has held various positions working for the Maricopa County Superior Court System and is presently employed for the state of Arizona as an investigator. Phyllis's passion is researching her family history, and she has been involved in genealogy research for well over the past 20 years. Well, while researching her history, she has gained a greater appreciation for early American history. Phyllis is a member of several genealogical organizations, and she is also the family historian genealogist for her family. So let me give a warm welcome to my special guest, Phyllis Grimes, to research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Phyllis. Thank you so much, and I am so happy to be a part of your show, and I'm so excited to talk about the Todds, our family. And I want to welcome everyone, and if my family members, tell them hello also. Thanks. Well, hello, family members. (laughs) So tell me, because you are, as you have put in your bio, the family historian genealogist for your family, tell us what does that mean? Okay, being the family genealogy, I my responsibilities are to I have a chart, a family chart, and it stretches from the 1700s to present. And every year, it's my responsibility to get the chart updated and get it posted when we have our family reunions. We have 
family reunions every other year. And I am also responsible for just telling a brief history updates when I go to the reunion. It used to be a long, drawn-out presentation, but I've learned with my family to cut it down to a few important points so they can have fun and, you know, start partaking in dinner. So we usually talk before dinner. And that is just about um, what I'm responsible for. Well, it's wonderful that someone is in your family that has that role because, you know, we have these family reunions, but sometimes we forget about the history and telling the story. And so I'm really happy that you are on tonight because you were in the audience at the Afro-American Historical and Genealogical Society's meeting, and we talked about telling our story. So let's start off so that everyone can understand who were the Todds or who are the Todds. Okay. Um, I'm going to have three characters that I'll talk about tonight. So first I want them to remember, everyone to remember, Patsy Todd. Patsy was my great-great-grandmother, and she was born in 1808 in Virginia, and I don't have a location right now. And Patsy's son, Isaac Todd, my great-grandfather, he was born in 1830 in Kentucky, and he married Chlora Bell Monday, and she was my great-grandmother, and she was born in Virginia. I have a lot of Virginia connections. Isaac and Chlora, they lived on a farm in Bibtown, Kentucky. That's right, located near Russellville, Kentucky, the county seat of Kentucky, and in 1896, Isaac purchased 82 acres of land in Lewisburg, Kentucky, and Lewisburg, Kentucky is right outside of Russellville also. And um, I was able to obtain his deed. He had 82 acres of land, and my mom told me that you could look as far as you could see to see the land. That's one of the oral history stories that she told me. And also, uh, Isaac and Clore, they were very independent because they had 13 children, and on the farm, they raised all the food that they needed except sugar and coffee. And the girls knitted socks, stockings, shawls, and mittens. And Chloe made dress pants and shirts, and also she made bonnets. So as you can see, they had everything they needed. And I well, I need you. To, I need you to slow down for a second. I need you to slow down. <laughs> You're going uh, really okay. fast, I get and I'm just trying. I know it's I it's so exciting to really to excited. hear about the yeah. land and to hear the names. But I, I have a question already, and it's about Russellville. Sure. Is Russellville okay. the county in Kentucky? Yes, Russellville is a city located in Logan County, Kentucky. Yes, okay. and that is where eventually my Family members ended up after I talk about the Virginia case, and okay, I will try to go so, slower. So let like, me take so you all the way back. So you started off with Patsy sure. Todd, and she was born in 1808. And I missed some of it. I did hear about the land. Yes. Yeah, so we just slow it down okay. so we can really get okay. get a feel for what's going on okay. with the Todd family. Okay. All righty. And, you know, my sister said, make sure you slow down and take your time. Okay. <laughs> so getting back to Russellville, yeah, getting back to Russellville, as I said, my um, 
great-grandfather, Isaac, and he's another focal point of the case. And just to summarize everything, Isaac purchased 82 acres of land, and I do have the deed, and I'm still in the process of trying to uh, get more information on him. But Isaac passed away in 1906, and... His wife moved from the farm. They sold the farm and made a profit, I may add, and moved her children to Russellville. This brings me to my grandfather, Benjamin Todd, and he married my grandmother, Agnes Green, and they were the parents of eight children, one of them being my mother, Agnes Margaret Todd, and she was born in 1917 in Russellville, Kentucky. So... The Todds were Underwoods, and I'll get when I get to the case and explain it. That's how my title from Virginia to Kentucky, and this was all laid out in the um, court case that I okay. was discussing. So sure. I hope that's uh, yeah enough information. And I might want to say too, my mother was indeed my inspiration. She provided me with the oral history, and that helped me begin my research by getting interviewing her, and she would give me the oral history that she knew, and then I would go back to the archives of wherever I needed to go to the computer and get sources for the information, and that laid the foundation for my research. Right, and and that oral okay. history is so valuable, absolutely. Okay, thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Okay, now do you want me now? I can go into the case. Yes, tell us about the case. Okay, (laughs) okay, Um, and I'll slow. There was a court case that, and I will tell you the name of the court case. It was Underwood versus Underwood, and it was 1830 in the federal court for the United States Circuit Court of Virginia. And I want to let people know how I came about finding out about this case. I had put out a query back in 2005, I believe. I put out a query about the Todds, and I did have the slave master from Russellville. And when I put my query out, I received contacts from the slave master's family members. Some of the family members were doing the same research you know, on the same family that I was uh, researching. So I received an email from one of my contacts, and he advised me of the case, Underwood versus Underwood, and he informed me the case was in the uh, Library of Virginia. And he gave me the documented information. He even gave me the box number. So with that being said, I contacted the Library of Virginia, and I filled out a form to get information on the case. Now, I live in Arizona, and I want to let everyone know I did not go to Virginia to get my case. When I sent for the information on the case, I received the amount, the cost, and how many pages. There were about 70-something pages. So I figured it was very uh, much efficient, much more efficient for me to pay the cost for them to copy the documents and mail it to me in Arizona versus me going out to the Library of Virginia. So that's how I got my hands on the court case, okay? Okay. And I just want to kind of summarize a little bit on the court case. 
in the court case, it was from April 1826, ending December 1830. And what it was, there was a lawsuit brought by the heirs of Jane Pollard Underwood. That's the second name I want you to remember, because she was the slave, I should say slave mistress, but she was a woman, but she was the slave master. Her husband, she was married to Thomas Underwood, and he passed away, so she had um, done a inventory, and they had an inventory of all of their assets before they got married, and property, I should say. It was called property back then. So when her husband died, Jane inherited all of the property, including the slaves, and she did have slaves. Jane had about anywhere from about 40 to 51 slaves. So Jane Underwood passed away in 1821, and before she passed away, she had a will, and her will was dated 1818, and it was also the will I found in the court case, just to let everyone know, I'm trying to let you know what I did find in the 72 documents. The will was in the court case. And in Jane's will, she named all of her slaves. And like I said, she had 40 slaves at that time. Out of those 40, I was able to find, through our research, that she willed some slaves to Melvina M. Underwood, which was her stepdaughter. Now, to move you on to the Todds, Melvina married John Todd, and John Todd lived in Russellville, Kentucky. And John was, uh, I believe he was a very important person as far as Russellville. He was the um, in the Kentucky House of Representatives, and he was a representative from Logan County. So with that being said, the in Jane's will, Jane indicated that once she passed away, she had all of the names of the 40 slaves and who they should go to. So instead of issuing out the slaves to the proper people, Jane's executor, which was James Underwood, which he was her stepson, he was supposed to be her state executor, and she advised in her wills to hire out her Negroes, which were the slaves, before she they divided them up to pay her debt. So what happened for this case to come forward, it was a family matter. That's why Underwood versus Underwood, because James Underwood hired out the slaves, and I want to say through reading the paperwork, for his own benefit. So things weren't done like they were supposed to be according to Jane's will. So uh, Jane Underwood had other stepchildren, and that's how the case came about. The stepchildren were suing each other, Underwood versus Underwood, for the slaves to be uh, redistributed as Jane's will entailed. Okay? Okay. And after that, uh, after the uh, case, as you know, cases go a long time, and the documents, I may say, they were all handwritten. That was very – it's kind of hard to read documents from the 1800s, and you have to – you know, the, the the language back then was a little different. You had to kind of – you know, I'm reading and I'm reading. But what I probably want to talk about more so than everything that happened in the case, because, to be honest, my family members' ancestors did not benefit either way the case, win or loss. You know, they didn't benefit – because it was mainly about money, the dollar, the property. 
So that That's was right. what the yes. um, you know, case was mm-hmm. all about. So it was all about money. But I just wanted to kind of real briefly take you through a few things that I pulled out of the court case. And there were a lot of depositions, and the depositions were word-by-word verbiage from the person that was testifying or written documents. So I'm just going to, I've got a couple of things I pinpointed just to show you what I was able to pull out of this court case. There's a lot of information, and I'm still trying to dig and pull things out. But one of the um, things, one of the depositions, there was a question asked, and I'm going to read the question as it was in the deposition. It said, did the defendant permit the slaves of Miss Jane Underwood, children, women of children, to live on a farm or his for some years? And the person answered, I have seen the slaves of Miss Jane Underwood on a piece of poor land said to belong to the defendant near Johnson Springs, but I do not know the description of slaves nor upon what terms they live there. Now, from that little phrase, I was able to pinpoint that my ancestors were in Johnson Springs, and that's in Virginia. It's close to Richmond. I did some work. (laughs) I looked it up. So with that, I can look at the years and I can pinpoint, you know, where the slaves were at that particular year. So that's one of the things that I pulled out of that, you know, that conversation. And another deposition was taken in 1827, and it asked, the question was asked to the defendant, the person that was, uh, you know, they were talking to, did you live with Miss Jane Underwood in the years 1819, 1820, and 1821? And the answer was, he did. And it said, how many Negro women, boys, and girls said Underwood employed during those years spinning and otherwise about the house that could have worked the crop in the same time. So the key word to me was employed. I don't think they were employed, but that was the word they used. So I was able to pull out that some of the women worked in the house doing spinning, and, uh, you know, they also worked the crop at the same time. So the answer was they named the actual slaves. I think there were eight that were fit to work in the crop. Peggy, Daphne, Rachel, Nancy, Sylvia, Moses, Patsy. Patsy, again, remember, she's my great-great-grandmother. And That's there was a boy right. named Collins. Yes, and I don't know the boy named Collins, but it says he was rather small to do much, but he could do something. So that kind of pinpointed if somebody was looking for this Collins, which he may be an ancestor too. He was a younger child at the time. And the deposition further discussed a slave by the name of Robert. Robert was a small Negro boy, the property of Miss Underwood. And at the time of her death, for some time thereafter, he was very sickly. And uh, the question was asked, what is the situation of the boy at this time? And the answer was, he is very help- He is a very healthy boy. And I do have some other documents with this person by the name of Robert indicating that he was sickly. So that's, you know, I'm pulling information that might assist me in my research from all of the documents. And um, I'll probably just kind of read you 
maybe a couple more. Okay, and then there was another question that was asked, how many Negro women, boys and girls, did Miss Underwood have engaged about her home? And the answer was five women, generally about the time to spend. In bad weather, there were more. So in other words, they worked, from this information I'm pulling, they worked in, I guess, spinning in her home. She had employed them for no money. But they did spinning, and then they worked the crops also. So they named um, all of the people that the Negroes were about the house, and I had all of the names. And I also had Moses, a boy who worked in the house for years, and he was taken from the home. Now, the interesting thing is about Moses is that's one of my grandfather's children. And it seems like the names that I received, they were repeated all through our generation. So the names, these names constantly came up, you know, with the same people. Now, also in the uh, documents, this James Underwood, the one that was the executor and illegally kept the slaves and, you know, used them, he he, uh, rented the slaves out. So he had to produce a chart for every year how much he rented them out for, the amount he was paid, and all this is in a document. It's an index document. And in that scenario, which they named all the slaves, including my ancestors, I came up with the name of Daphne. And Daphne, I haven't got this verified, but I believe she's my great-great-great-grandmother. And it had her actual date of death. She died November 30th. 1825. So that particular information is sitting in this chart. So basically, I was able to find a lot of information to help with my research. And I just want to also mention I found when I Googled the slave master Jane Underwood, I found a book, the Virginia Migrations, Hanover County, Volume 1 and Volume 2. And this goes from 1723, I believe, to 1871. And, you know, the guests might be interested. It was a list of wills, deeds, and depositions and invoices for Virginia. And I was able to get the book off of, um, you know, Amazon. I went to Amazon and uh, got the book. And it was Eugenia Glazebrook and Preston Glazebrook. But if anybody's interested and they can certainly contact me and I'll give them more information. So uh, getting back to the research, I found that I found just getting information from this one case was very, very helpful in pinpointing the dates, the times, and where the ancestors were located. And that gives me further um I can further myself by going back to the Virginia, the archives, and and try to find information. I'm still looking for death information on Patsy. Now, I got to, okay, I got to get them back to Kentucky. So what happened was at the end of the Well, you know what we're going to do? We're uh going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, you're going to get take us back to Kentucky. But one of the I'm points you that you certainly, you know, it's, it's just wonderful that you, first of all, 
put out this query, and where was this query? I put the query out, I believe, in Ancestry and Gen form. I, I, I kind of remember Gen form at the time. And I put the query out, oh, my goodness, a long time ago, and I'm still getting people. The last, the last email I got was 2012, so it lasted a long time. I got various, you know, various people calling me, giving me, I mean, not calling me, emailing me, giving me information because the Todd name is so, there's a whole lot of Todd's. <laughs> so, right, yes, of and of course there are there questions about are the, are the Todd's connected to uh, Lincoln. To Lincoln, yes. exactly, yes. exactly. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, lot of research. Right. So we're going okay. to take a quick break and come back and hear more about your research and your story. Quick break. Thank you. at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and you can join me every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time where I will have an expert to share resources, stories, and answer your burning genealogy and history questions. Remember, all of my guests share a deep passion and knowledge of genealogy and history. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. Now, you have been listening to Phyllis, Phyllis Grimes share her story and research about the Todds from Virginia to Kentucky. And I'm telling you, I wish I had a court case with the information that she just shared with us. So, Phyllis, back to you because you're going to continue to tell us what's happening with the family and about them heading to Kentucky. So, back to you. Okay. So, let's talk about Kentucky. In the case, we talked about the Virginia case, I'm going to give you just a few sentences, a summary of basically what happened at the end, because I don't want to go through all the drawn-out scenarios of the case. At the end of the case, there was an order for James Underwood, which was the executor, and I kind of titled him the alleged perpetrator, and I like to use that because he was the one that was doing all the uh, fishy stuff in the case. So anyway... Okay, and, and he was he the was, stepchild? He, he was her stepchild, yes. 
He was a stepchild. Okay. The, I'm following you. All of them were stepchildren. And All the people of the that brought the case against him, they were stepchildren. All about the money. All about the money. So okay. anyway, uh, he was ordered, James was ordered by the Virginia case to return the slaves to the individual people that they were willed out to. And I'm just going to talk about Malvina Underwood because she was the one that my slaves went to, my ancestor slaves went to. There were 40, but they were all given to about three or four family members in the will. So mm-hmm. Malvina was an Underwood. And Malvina married, I talked about Colonel John F. Todd. He was a member of the Kentucky House of Representatives and a representative from Logan County. She married him at that time. So when the slaves were ordered to be returned, they went to Kentucky. Now, I'm not sure if they went directly to uh, to Russellville or they may have went to another county. I have a lot of tax records, you know, depending on the year that Mr. Todd was, you know, in various locations. So when the slaves were ordered to be returned to Malvina, that's when they headed off to Kentucky. And I like when I'm telling a story, I've got a visual, and this visual sticks with me because there was some information I found that said a person said in one of the depositions that he remembered going to Virginia to pick up the slaves to take them back to Kentucky. And in my visual, I'm thinking, did they go by horse or carriage or did they walk? And it sounds funny, but we all know sometimes people actually walked, you know, to the various various entities. So that's kind of, when I see the visual, I I can see my ancestors traveling along the road going, you know, back to Kentucky, to Kentucky, not back to Kentucky. So anyway, once they got to Kentucky, amazing thing happened. Would you believe there's another case? There's a case in Logan County, Kentucky, and it's a circuit court case. John F. Todd, which I told you he was the one that married Malvina, and they took the slaves in. There, another court case came up in 1857, and it was the same thing. It was dealing with the slaves illegally, some illegal things been, you know, done again. I won't discuss that case because I don't have it in front of me. But it's important to know that once they got to Kentucky, Things weren't that much different, you know. We were still in the, you know, slave time, so things weren't that much different. And they were subsequently involved in another court case. And I found this court case by, again, people sending me information. And they'll just send me a little email said, did you know there's another court case in Logan County, Kentucky? Somebody that's actually researching Logan County, Kentucky Todd's. And as I said, the Todd's, there's a lot of people researching the Todd's. So once they got to um, Logan County in the circuit court case, and the, um, I'll tell you the, the um, resolution well, for that well, circuit court case. Before you tell us about the case, there's a question. How did you find okay. out there was a court, there was a court case? 
And did you suspect or or look at? Hold on for a second, please. Uh, how did you find out about the the court case? Or was okay, this just something you found out with your 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 routine research? No, this was from a query. The query that I put on, I believe it was Ancestor. You know, you put a, a surname query out, and you right. let them know you're searching for the Tots. And I believe my query, I don't have it in front of me, but I think I probably said I am searching for information on John F. Todd. He was a slave master in Kentucky because I had no idea that there was a court case in Virginia. So I'm searching for, I'm in Kentucky because that's where I'm doing my major research in Kentucky. And then I got an email from one of the other um, researchers searching the Todd family, and he advised me that there was a court case, and he gave me information about the court case. He gave me the case number. He gave me information on, like I said, where it was located in Richmond, uh, Virginia Library, in the uh, special collections documents, and he provided me with all that information. So then with that, I went into the Virginia Library. I logged on my computer, and I found they have archive reference services and you fill out an application to get your documents, and you do a request. So I did the request, and they sent me information and told me how many pages it was. I paid a $25 deposit, and um, subsequently I ordered the case. So that's Okay, well, the question is really, it's, it's not about the Virginia case. It's about the Kentucky case. Oh, the Kentucky case, okay. Yes. The Kentucky case. I did research specifically in Kentucky, and I might want to say that I am a member of Logan Links, and that is the document that's um, provided by the Logan County, Kentucky Genealogical Society. And I do a lot of, um, you know, they send out a lot of information and different court records and tidbits, so I'm not exactly sure I might have found it on my own because I do, I go in and I do a search. I'll put a name in in the computer. I'll just Google, and usually I'll come up with cases and different things. So that's kind of how I got involved with the court case in in Kentucky. So once I got the court case in Kentucky, I think I started doing some research, and I actually found the notice that was in the paper about the sale of the slaves. And it was, again, dated March 25th, 1857. I have an actual notice of, again, Todd versus Todd. So if it's not the Underwoods versus the Underwoods, it's the Todd versus the Todds. So that's how I was able to get my hands on the um, Logan County documents. Okay. Now, I might want to mention real quick, if you know a specific county that you're searching, it uh, would be nice to contact the county, the archives, and kind of establish a you know rapport with them, like I have from Logan. I've been working with Logan County for years. I've actually gone to Logan County and actually put my hands on some documents, you know, going through the research, and they provide me with a lot of information. And once you know, I get the information that I request, I get the dollar amount, and I'll just send them a check, and the documents come back to me. I do 
very little research outside of my own living room. So. Okay. Well, continue so to tell us. We just we just had to get some clarification okay. on the Kentucky okay. side. Right. So, I'm. Um, I just want to kind of, you know, not to draw it all out, but just to say that if you are looking for a specific name, first of all, just go in and Google it, and then just kind of, kind of follow the trail. And then, to me, the query is the most important thing you could do. Now, I just did another query at Logan County, and this was in the, again, the Logan County links. I'm looking for research, and I mention all the Todds. You know, maybe someone has something that I missed. And also, I've got uh, Green and Edwards. So I put another query out looking for the same thing. So that's kind of how I get, you know, my information. And I might, this is very important, my mother, as I said, she was my inspiration. I interviewed her almost every weekend. She provided me with oral history. I go back to my computer, and I have to find the sources with the information she provides me with. And when I find something, I'll go again. I'm going to the libraries. I'm going to the archives. Sometimes, one time I called a funeral home because I was looking for a specific death. And then I found um, my mom, we were looking for where my my grandfather was buried because I had no idea. And my mom just mentioned to me in a, you know, talking that she knew he was sick and they took him to Nashville. Nashville is about 60 miles from Russellville, Kentucky. And my mom said she remembered they took him to Nashville. So with that being said, Nashville, Tennessee, I went back to my computer and looked for the deaths in Nashville, Tennessee, and what do you know? I found my grandfather's death certificate. So no one had any idea where it was located. So he actually died in the hospital in Nashville, Tennessee. So it's just basically oral history from the, you know, the elder people that got the oral, you know, the stories passed down and getting that information and going to find something to match it up with. So that's, that's kind right. of where I'm at. And Right. Yeah. So what? So now you're in. Okay. So you're in Kentucky, and the Underwoods are there. And just take us back to where you you were giving us more information about the court case in Kentucky. Okay. So the court case. Yeah. The court case in Kentucky. After. Let me go back. After the the slaves were brought from Virginia to Kentucky. They took on the Todd name. So that's where we get from the Underwoods to the Todds. I think that's kind of important for my story. Okay, They took on the Todd, the other slave master's name, the Todd mm-hmm. slave master's name. Now, uh, when they were in Kentucky, I went down to the Logan County Archives, and I was looking for the deed. As my mother told me, my grandfather had, Land. She didn't tell me how many acres. She said he had land, and she told me where it was at, and it was a lot of land. So I went actually to the Kentucky Archives, Logan County Kentucky Archives in Russellville, and I was able to find the deed with the, with the assistance of the group there. And the deed was that he purchased the land. And the amazing thing about the deed, 
he didn't purchase the land straight up because I guess he probably couldn't purchase it then. He wasn't a slave, but it was like 1893 or 96 when he purchased the land. It went through another person. So there was a person that actually paid for the land. I mean, that signed the documents, and his name was on the, uh, you know, the deed, but I don't, you know, don't know through legality, and, and at the time I don't know what was going on, but it was indeed his land. Now, Isaac, my great-grandfather, passed away in 1906. I wasn't, I was looking for a death certificate, and I could not find a death certificate anywhere. So what I did was, again, I went back to Logan County and did, uh, I didn't go physically, I emailed them. I used the email, Logan County. And there was a will found for my great-great-grandfather that he died in 1906 and the sale of the land and everything. So that's how I was able to find out when he passed away, through that documentation in 1906. And my sister, my oldest sister, is a lawyer, and between the two of us we were saying to ourselves, I'm wondering if it was a legal sale, you know. Maybe we have the 82 acres still in our family, so we kind of teased about that. So I found the bill of sale for the land, and actually he kind of tripled his price because that is some great land. I've been there today in Lewisburg, beautiful land, and it was on a, you know, by a lake, and it's just beautiful land out there. So, yeah, the sale was, um, he made a profit on the sale. And going back to my great-grandfather, I found out some more information about him. He was the trustee of the school board there in um, Russellville, I guess one of the, what they called back then, the colored schools. So I found that documentation from, there was a school census that I found, and um, his name was on the census as the um as the uh, trustee, the trustee for the, for the school. And that was very interesting. And the interesting thing about that, uh, education is so important in our family. And that's always been, um, you know, one of the things that all of the family members have, uh, you know, expressed to us, education, education. So I'm just guessing with my ancestors, possibly back at that time, education was important too. So, you know, by him being, like I said, on the school board. So that was a very interesting find. Now, my grandmother, Agnes Todd, she married Benjamin Todd. Benjamin was one of the youngest of my uh, great-grandfathers, and he passed away, the one in Tennessee, I think about early 1926 or so. My grandmother had eight children. And back in that time, as you all know, you know, there wasn't much money around anywhere. So they all did various jobs. I think uh, the story was, this is my mother's old history story, that someone came from somewhere in one of the, um, you know, one of the county offices and said they would probably have to take the kids because they didn't think, you know, my grandmother could take care of the eight children. I really don't want to tell you on the phone what my grandmother said, but in essence, <laughs> in essence, everyone stayed with my grandmother, and they all, all of the eight children worked various jobs and uh, to bring things back home 
to, you know, support the family. So they did very well. And I guess I'm bringing you up to date to the Tods, and we have a Todd reunion every couple of years. And the last, we had a reunion, we went back to Russellville about 10 years ago, and we found my grandfather did not have a stone on his grave. So what we did was we took a collection up and we purchased a stone and we had a ceremony and we had a ceremony at the cemetery with the stone and we had, uh, you know, a little words of prayer and everything. And we, um, I guess, committed that stone to his uh, gravesite. So that was something that was done by the family 10 years ago. Well, Phyllis, we have a question coming out of the chat room. Sure. And it's wonderful that your sure. family uh, did uh, purchase a stone uh, to to mark where your uh, grandfather's buried. But have you right. written a family reunion book? Yes. Every year, well, it's a small book, but every year there is a history we have in our family reunion book. And every year, every other year, our family reunion, I update it. It's a small book. It's not, uh, you know, large writing, which I'm working on right now, but it's a small book. And every year we update information that I found for the, um, you know, for the Todd family. And we'll put that in the, you know, the book that we have for the family reunion. But I do, in all of this information I have, it is my wish, maybe I'll get to it hopefully soon, to write the story, the actual story. I have about seven chapters I've already, you know, put down in draft. I have the chapter names and a lot of the information that, you know, that goes into the particular chapters, and I just have to find time to sort everything out and, uh, you know, get started. So I am going to be writing a book to get all of this information out because I think it's very important, you know, even though I have all of this information, it does no good to me when it's sitting here in the house. So I would like to, you know, get it all together. Right. And how did your family uh, react to the journey? Uh, Because you you went back quite a a distance, uh, finding this information in the original court case, Underwood versus Underwood, and then bringing it up to today. Uh, how do they feel about what you have done as the family historian to gather this information? My family is so excited. Every year I have something different that I tell them, and they just cannot believe. Oh, they, it it kind of makes you feel like, oh, wow, you know, they did this and they did that. And usually when I come to a reunion, they're so, uh, you know, so amazed of the different things that we found out about the family. And then with all of, because as I said, my uh, grandmother had eight siblings, so I have a lot of first cousins and other cousins. But basically, there's a story. Someone has a little information about something that they heard, and they'll give it to me, and then I'll go back and see if I can, you know, plug it into the family history because all of the, um, you know, the siblings told various stories to their kids. So it's important, too, to talk about that you know, with the even the younger siblings because they have, everyone has a piece of information to the puzzle. And as a matter of fact, when I was uh, putting out to my cousins, I was going to be on telling the story, one of my cousins sent me an email and said, 
do you have any information on the Todd's in Haiti? You know, were we in Haiti? I'm like, no, don't have that yet. So, yeah, they're always sending me different um, different questions. So they're so excited. They're always excited. Right. I, I, and I can imagine I would be excited, too, just finding that information. One of the things that I have even discovered, you know, with my own family research is I can't talk about the document. I have to tell the story. And right. uh, the story right. the story is what helps kind of wrap, get them to wrap their arms around the journey of what has happened with the, right. the entire family. And so do you find that you have to tell a story rather than talk about the document? Uh, just just help us understand where where does it take okay. you when you have a court case? Okay. What I usually do at the family reunion, uh, I might mention, yeah, my beautiful family, if they're online, they understand this. If it comes to what time is dinner being served versus me telling a long, long, drawn-out story, it doesn't work out. So I've learned mm-hmm. to give them an update when I go, and I will bring the documents. And from time to time, I'll bring actually bring binders, the books, and I'll have everything in a book. And, you know, when they're eating or, you know, rest time, they'll be able to go and look at the various documents that are in the book. And I have, like, the documents, I have them indexed, their wills, death certificates, other things I've found, everything is, you know, laid out for them. And then they, you know, they're so excited about finding, you know, seeing that information. But I don't talk, you're right, I don't talk about the documents. I just update them on, you know, here's some different things I've found. And with, we have, right now I'm working on three families, the Greens, the Todd's, and the Edwards. So I have information from all of the different uh, scenarios. And I might mention real quick, I'm actually in the 1700s, but I don't have a lot of information verified. I was sent a tax list from one of my, of course, people that are searching for the Todd's. And I have a lot of tax information from Virginia and from Kentucky back in the 1700s. And I even have names. I just can't, uh, you know, I've got to get my source and pinpoint a little more. But I've got a lot of um, information back in the 1700s that I haven't, um, you know, been able to work on yet. So all of this is just, like I said, my main focus was that query. Once I put that out, people were sending me things, and, uh, right. you know, by doing the, the research on the computer. Mm-hmm. And since I do an, I'm an investigator for my regular job, it kind of, you know, I do use my, my investigative talents, and I come up with um Yeah, you know, which is a wonderful things. skill set so, to have. Well, is the younger generations uh, of your family interested in hearing the stories? Are they interested? Uh, well, yes and no. I'll tell you about my particular family. I've got a son that always tells me he's my oldest son. When I get so excited and I want to share what I found, he says, Mom, just give me the bottom line. He always says that, just give me the bottom line. And then my middle son, he is so excited about me telling the story. And he's actually, I feel like he's the one that's going to take over all of this. I hope he's online. He's supposed to be online. Take over all this because he's excited. And when I tell him something, he'll go and do some research, and he's actually done research on his father's family 
and I've helped him with that, so he's very interested. It's just a lot of the uh, the middle ones are interested, and they're interested because I have a big, long chart when we go to the reunion. It stretches from wall to wall. It's long, and it has all of the people, and we've color-coded the families. So out of the eight siblings, everyone has a color. So you can go to the chart, and you can zoom in on your particular um, family there, you know, by the chart, if you don't want to look at the whole long chart. And like I said, I have them write in any updates, any new births or anything. They actually write it on the chart. So then when I take the chart home from that year, I will go back and type in the updates with the new births, new marriages, or unfortunately deaths, or whatever we have going on, I will keep that chart, you know, keep that chart updated. So they're interested in looking at things, a visual. I'll say the family is really interested in the visual, but I just can't talk real long about the family, you know. I can give them updates, but it um, you want to, you know, like I said, you want to know your audience. So I look at them, and they look hungry, so I kind of cut it off a little bit. So they should be. <laughs> yes, so, but you seem yeah, like yeah. you're engaging the family because you are asking them for updates. By the way, your your middle right. one is online. Your son is online. He's, so he's oh, he smiling. Is? Yes, <laughs> he, he says that. That's online. me. Yes, that's me. <laughs> well, you know what? We're that getting close to why? Well, we're getting close to the end of the show. And I'm certain yes. that your family is really proud of you and the research that you have done. And it has been just wonderful to hear you share with us your journey, beginning with the oral history and the query and the court case and how you just took them from Virginia and Kentucky and helped us understand when did they become the Tots from the Underwoods. I think I know your story now. <laughs> So this is just. I hope so. Yes, I I I hope so, and I hope that you have inspired the listeners uh, to tell their story because that's what it's all about—telling the story and sharing sharing that story with others. So, Phyllis, thank you so much for sharing that story with us tonight. The Todds telling our story from Virginia to Kentucky. Well, I just want to tell everybody. I'm so happy. (laughs) Yes, I just want to say, number one, I'm so happy that I had an opportunity to share the story, and I love really training and telling people and showing people how I get my information. That's another thing that I love. And I do want to mention the Lincoln Todds. We'll be getting information real soon. I've got a cousin that's doing the Y-DNA test. And once he does that Y-DNA test, I'm looking for those male Todd's, as you know. That's where we're going to find a lot of information, hopefully, hopefully. Okay, well, we, I hope that you're willing to share with us your findings. Always, always. Uh, always. Also, uh, someone wanted to know, are you researching the Grimes? I've started researching the Grimes. I just haven't. I'm back a little bit. I just haven't got that for that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of doing that. 
Okay, well, we'll we'll talk about the Grimes at another show. So good evening, everyone. Thank you so much, uh, Phyllis Grimes, for joining us tonight. And please remember, your ancestors left footprints. Therefore, you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history, queries, family records, and research at the National Archives and beyond. You can continue this discussion on the research at the National Archives and beyond and ask Virginia's Facebook pages. And also remember to listen to the African Roots podcast with Angela Walton Raji on Friday. Thank you so much for joining Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This show is sponsored by your host, Bernice Beebe's Genealogy Research and Educational Services, LLC. And my website is www.geniebroots.com. I look forward to you joining me next Thursday. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Good night, everyone. Good night, Phyllis. Good night, and thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye.